In Trump Time, Truth, Straight, No Chaser, the definitive insider's account of the White House of Trump. Peter Navarro's In Trump Time War Room is brought to you by Getter, the Twitter killer. Sign up for Getter today and strike a blow against cancel culture. Getter, the Twitter killer, an ultimate in social media engagement. Now here's Dr. Peter Navarro deep in the D.C. swamp from the In Trump Time War Room. Hi, I'm Peter Navarro, and welcome to Episode 11 of the In Trump Time podcast. This is a very important episode, as it is a prelude to what the woke left-wing media are going to try to turn into a never-Trump circus. I'm talking about this Thursday's one-year anniversary of the January 6th violence on Capitol Hill. In this episode, I'm going to play for you excerpts from Chapter 21 of the audio edition of my In Trump Time book. Spoiler alert, this chapter, and more broadly, my In Trump Time book, completely exonerates both President Donald John Trump and Stephen K. Bannon from any role in instigating the violence that occurred that day on Capitol Hill. In fact, as I explain in Chapter 21, we needed peace and calm on Capitol Hill to implement our last best hope of a strategy to have only legal votes counted in the 2020 election. That strategy was called the Green Bay Sweep in the In Trump Time book. It was named in honor of the famous football play, and with Vice President Mike Pence as the Trump White House quarterback in the Senate, we were supposed to first remand the votes back to the six battleground states where the election appeared to have been lost. Then, once the fraud and election irregularities were exposed in those states, we were sure that those states, or at least a good number of them, would decertify the election. That, in turn, would throw the 2020 presidential election to the House of Representatives rather than the Electoral College for a final determination of who would be president. By sheer math, Trump would win that and therefore a second term. Now hear this, you weak, namby-pamby, pearl-clutching left-wing fools who think President Trump was in any way responsible for the violence. It was precisely this violence that doomed the Green Bay sweep. So, my loyal listeners, please do not fall into the phony hype of January 6th that the corporate media is about to inundate you with. Just listen to this podcast, share it with a friend, and if the spirit moves you, go buy the damn audio version of this book because it is a beautiful work of history, if I do say so myself. In the meantime, enjoy these excerpts. This segment of the In Trump Time podcast is brought to you by Steve Bannon's War Room. Join Bannon's War Room posse and get tomorrow's news today. All signal, no noise. Bannon's War Room. Chapter 21, The Democrats' Unrestricted Lawfare and Art of the Steel. And I hope Mike is going to do the right thing. I hope so. Because if Mike Pence does the right thing... We win the election. He has the absolute right to do it. All Vice President Pence has to do is send it back to the states to recertify. And we become president, and you are the happiest people. Donald J. Trump, January 6th, 2021. 
D-Day, Green Bay Sweep, Zero Dark Thirty. As dawn breaks on a raw and windy Washington, D.C., and the sun tries in vain to fight its way through the gathering storm clouds hanging low over the National Mall, the last three people on God's good earth who want to see violence erupt on Capitol Hill this sixth day of January are Stephen K. Bannon, myself, and President Donald John Trump. To pull off an operation Bannon has dubbed the Green Bay Sweep and thereby keep President Trump in the White House for a second term, we must have only peace and calm on Capitol Hill. This Green Bay Sweep will be our last best chance to snatch a stolen election from the Democrats' jaws of deceit. And the last thing we want is to hand Congress an excuse to abort the operation. In Steve Bannon's political version of this sweep, Vice President Mike Pence will play the role of Team Trump's designated quarterback. And on this sixth day of January, after the U.S. Congress convenes sometime around 1 p.m. to certify the presidential election results, Pence, as president of the Senate, will hand the ball off to various pro-Trump members of Congress. More than 100 have signed up for the fight. The goal is not to get the election overturned today. The goal is to subject the ballots, the legal votes of American citizens, along with what we believe to be a flood of illegal ballots, to careful scrutiny and investigation. Of course, for all of this to work, Pence must assert his constitutional power as Senate president. He must put certification of the election on ice for at least another several weeks while Congress and the various state legislatures involved investigate all of the fraud and election irregularities that will be raised today on Capitol Hill. On this cold, momentous day, I shiver as I think to myself, January 6th will be either Mike Pence's finest hour or the traitorous et tu brute end of both his and Donald Trump's political careers. The political beauty of the Green Bay Sweep. While my role in challenging the election outcome had been to carefully document the fraud and myriad election irregularities, Steve Bannon's role was to figure out how to use this information, what he called the receipts, to overturn the election result. That's how Steve had come up with the Green Bay Sweep idea. The political and legal beauty of the strategy was this. By law, both the House of Representatives and the Senate must spend up to two hours of debate per state on each requested challenge. For the six battleground states, that would add up to as much as 24 hours of nationally televised hearings across the two chambers of Congress. Through these televised proceedings, we would finally be able to short-circuit the crushing censorship of the anti-Trump media and take our case directly to the American people. Of course, to quote the great John Steinbeck, quoting the very good Scottish poet Robert Burns, the best-laid plans of mice and Trump's men often go awry. Truth be told here, today's operation is as much a Hail Mary as it is a Green Bay sweep. 
It is President Trump's best and perhaps final shot at shining a blaring spotlight on all of the election irregularities and fraud we had uncovered in our investigation. Yet, its success or failure will all hinge on quarterback Mike. In assessing the odds of a Pence betrayal, my thoughts turn to the trajectory of my own relationship with V. POTUS over the last four years. From the very first day I met Mike, he was always kind and complimentary to me. He particularly liked my feistiness on TV and often remarked positively on my verbal jousts with anti-Trump antagonists like Jake Tapper and Chris Wallace. One time, the VP even did a pretty spot-on impression of me and my hand gestures, and it was warmly hilarious. During the first several years of the administration, I often met with Mike in the vice president's office in the West Wing. There, as I would sit forward on one of his couches with my notes and charts, V. POTUS would sit ramrod straight in his chair. I would then brief him on anything from China's seven deadly unfair trade sins to my progress on rebuilding the Philly shipyard. To his credit, V. POTUS would always have read whatever material I had sent him the night before at his Naval Observatory residence, and he was always a quick study. My relationship with Mike Pence would turn, however, on a thin Coke dime as soon as Mark Short walked back into the building on March 1, 2019, to take over the job as the vice president's chief of staff from Nick Ayers. Short had been fired from his job as White House Legislative Affairs Director for incompetence just a year earlier. With Short's second coming, it was like the Soviet Union taking over Eastern Europe. As an iron coat curtain fell over the vice president, the only way you could speak to V. POTUS was to go through Short. And in this particular West Wing version of a Catch-22, Short would never allow you to speak to him. My anxiety over Pence's possible disloyalty had been heightened over the last week by the fact that the vice president had repeatedly refused to take my phone calls about the raft of election irregularities, despite a direct request from President Trump to do so. In what was the single most bizarre 60 seconds of my tour at the White House, I had gotten a call from the Situation Room several days earlier informing me the vice president was on the line and they wished to connect me. When I said, of course, the connection was made and I heard, Mr. Vice President, Mr. Navarro is now on the line. Then, to my bewilderment and chagrin, it was crickets as the connection was immediately broken. When I called back to the sit-room to get Mike back on the line, I was informed that V. POTUS would get back to me. He never did. Now, Donald Trump's best chance to take back an election that was almost certainly stolen is in the hands of a man he thought he could trust who is increasingly the odds-on favorite to betray him. At 1.15 p.m., National Public Radio issues this news update. Republicans seeking to overturn President-elect Joe Biden's win in the November election have moved to challenge the results from Arizona as Congress begins the usually pro forma process of counting each state's electors. I breathe a big sigh of relief. Our Green Bay sweep has begun exactly as planned. 
But even as the Green Bay sweep starts flawlessly, it is also all beginning to unravel. As more and more protesters gather at the improvised fence around the Capitol, the Capitol Hill police inexplicably offer little resistance. Some of these police officers even open the gates to let protesters onto the grounds. In the ensuing chaos, Pence will be whisked away by Secret Service agents. Congressmen and senators will scatter to the Capitol Hill building subway tunnels that will take them to safety. And when this gaggle of conniving politicians all reconvene this night at 8 p.m., Pence, in league with Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, and House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, will use the excuse of the violence on Capitol Hill to halt any further attempt to challenge the election results. In this inglorious way, the Green Bay sweep will end with either a fumble, a sack, or an interception. Choose your own football metaphor. But any way you phrase it, Michael Richard Pence will have secured his place in history as the Brutus most responsible both for the final betrayal of President Trump and the unceremonious burial of election integrity. In the wake of the Capitol Hill riot, putative Trump loyalists such as Larry Kudlow, Steve Mnuchin, and Mick Mulvaney subsequently join a chorus of Democrats condemning the president. And the fall of the White House of Trump is complete. Or so it looks at the darkest end of that grim day. A full frontal lawfare assault. Given how these events unfolded, it should be clear why Stephen K. Bannon, myself, and Donald John Trump were the last three people on God's good earth who wanted to see violence erupt that January 6th day on Capitol Hill. For it was this violence that finally put an abrupt end to any hope the president had for taking back an election likely stolen from him and from the more than 74 million Americans who voted for him. DJT, we hardly knew ye, but you'll be back. We know it, and they know it. Well, that's it for this edition of Peter Navarro's In Trump Time War Room. Be sure to order your own copy of In Trump Time today on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. And during this holiday season, consider gifting copies of In Trump Time to your friends and family. In Trump Time is a great gift for this holiday season. And you may want to try the audiobook. This innovative production features the voices of everyone from Stephen K. Bannon, Victor Davis Hanson, and Corey Lewandowski to President Trump himself. In Trump Time, truth, straight, no chaser, the definitive insider's account of the White House of Trump. In Trump Time, buy it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble today. <laughs>